God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Hi, and welcome to Journey Through the Word, a podcast that takes us through the scriptures, one book and one message at a time. I'm Jeff Gilbert, and I'll be your guide through the Bible to help you better understand God's Word, what He wants to teach us, and more about His Son, Jesus Christ. Hi, today we're in Acts chapter 16, and we're on another missionary journey with Paul. This time he's separated from Barnabas over a disagreement that we saw in Acts chapter 15, and he's chosen Silas to go with him and to revisit the places they had gone before and to encourage the brothers who accepted Christ. So they weren't going to leave them abandoned. No, they were going to go back, encourage them, and, you know, show them love and fellowship and help guide them. And then when they came to their first place, it was in Derby and Lystra, they met Timothy. And of course, we'll hear more about Timothy in the letters later on in the, in the New Testament. And Paul decided to take him with him. Now, Timothy had an interesting background in that his mother was Jewish, but his dad was a Greek. And it says that Paul circumcised him. So we might say, well, isn't that kind of against what the Holy Spirit led the church to do in Acts chapter 15, where the council of Jerusalem had made kind of a decree that the Greeks don't need to be circumcised in order to be followers of Christ. And then now he's telling Timothy to be circumcised. So I think here is a really interesting point to know is that here it made sense for Timothy to be circumcised because they were reaching out to large Jewish communities and the Jews may have not have accepted anything they said based on just the fact that Timothy was not circumcised. So, in order to help spread the gospel, to make it easier among the Jewish communities, he simply circumcised Timothy. It was wise to do it. It was becoming all things to all men, that they might gain a few, as Paul says later on in the New Testament. And I think it's also really interesting because we should know that when God reveals something or shows something or gives us guidance, we don't need to be dogmatic about it to the point where it makes no sense in some circumstances, as in this case. We need to be a little bit flexible, not sinning, not disobeying, but understanding God's intents and purposes in the direction that he gives our lives. As they went on their journey, and they began to encourage and strengthen the people that they met, strengthening their faith, that every day the churches grew in number. So this is another thing that we should know, that anywhere here in the book of Acts where you see the churches are doing well, people are being added and they're growing in number. It's the real sign of a healthy church that's doing things according to the plan of God when the church is growing and really doing well. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have obstacles and difficulties getting started, learning our way sometimes, but we should see a real blessing. We should see growth. We should see joy. We should see fellowship and camaraderie among the brethren and moving in the right direction. Interestingly, though, that as they did those things, they were continually being led by the Holy Spirit as they went along. In verse 6, it says that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit 
to speak the word in Asia. It doesn't tell us why, and it doesn't tell us how the Holy Spirit forbade them. So let's talk about this for a minute. How did the Holy Spirit speak in those times? So we know there are spiritual gifts, and spiritual gifts can be visions, can be dreams, can be revelations, but what they are not are feelings. Oh, I have a feeling that we shouldn't go here, or I, my emotions are drawing me in a different direction. This is kind of listening to our heartstrings, and although that's very powerful and we tend to follow them in general in life, they're not real guidance from the Holy Spirit. So what we need are signs, and I believe that the Holy Spirit probably spoke to them through signs here because it says it forbade them. Well, forbidding you is not, oh, I don't feel like we should go. I don't feel like, you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit's forbidding me to go there. No, it should be a real sign. Perhaps it was circumstances, and they realized that it was God that was closing the door. And then they tried to go into Bithynia. It said, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So they were again forbidden to go to another area. So passing by, they went to Troas. So you see, it wasn't feelings because they were so certain. Paul took note of it. He forbade us to go here. He forbade us to go there. So we went on. They were really hearing from the Lord. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. So here, a spiritual gift, right? A gift of knowledge was standing there urging him and saying, Come to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately... He sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. What a great sign and wonder. This is how a believer should be led, by real strong signs and spiritual gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. To receive these, we need to be in real fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We need to be praying and seeking His face, perhaps fasting, asking Him to direct our lives. And you know, when no direction comes, we tend to just say, okay, I guess I'll just go and do this anyway, or I feel that it's right. When in fact, for very important decisions in our life, especially when we're trying to serve God, this is now, remember, these are ministry directions. What does God want to do to spread his gospel? Not, should I buy a new car? Should I move to a new apartment? Those, maybe God would speak about, and maybe he wouldn't in our lives. But serious issues where God wants to use us, we wait on the Lord. How many times have we heard someone say, oh, I'm stepping out in faith in this ministry? And that's not faith. That's going and starting a ministry that you feel like you want to start. Faith is when God calls you, he gives you signs, he confirms it with other people, and he sends you out, and it's a real thing that we're supposed to do. And then God blesses us and he speaks to us and he gives us the signs that we need in order to do those things. How many times in my life have I heard somebody say, I have a ministry of this or I have a ministry of that? Well, who gave them this ministry? And usually those ministries are ridiculous things that you know, if you read your Bible, God never hands out that kind of ministry to a person. Another point to make is that we shouldn't do what we want to do because we feel like it. We have to wait on the Lord to direct us and give us the right time in order to do those things. 
So they went on to Macedonia, and they were going to preach the gospel there. So if we talk about Macedonian call, the first thing that we see is they, they don't know what they're going to go do when they get there. So they just went to a place called Neapolis, and then to Philippi. And they were waiting. They knew they were going uh, in the right direction. And they, Philippi was a leading city of the district of Macedonia, so they were in the right area. But you know, the Holy Spirit didn't say, go to this place and speak at this time and do exactly this. No, it says they were there. They were there for some days. And on the Sabbath, they went outside to the riverside where they, you know, they figured, well, it's a place that people usually go to pray. So we sat down and we spoke to some of the women who had come together. So they didn't know that a person there would open their heart to the gospel that they were about to preach. They just went doing what they would normally do, but they were doing it in a place that God had clearly directed them to go. And one of the women who heard them, her name was Lydia, and she was a businesswoman. She sold, it says, purple goods, you know, which were garments dyed in purple that would be quite valuable in that time because, you know, colorful garments, the more colorful or the more rare the color, the more expensive it would be. But the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And then she was baptized. And her whole household was baptized as well. And then, you know, you you see a change in her heart because she said, you know, come in my house. And she begged them. It says she prevailed upon us to stay at her house. So it shows that God was really moving in working in this woman's heart. So you see, Paul was going somewhere where perhaps the gospel would not have been accepted in Bithynia or in Asia. But the Holy Spirit knew that there was a woman in her household who would accept what they had to say. So it wasn't some giant church, wasn't some great group that was there to meet him. It wasn't an organized church or anything, just a lady who wanted to hear about Jesus and accepted her and was baptized her and her whole family, and invited uh, Paul and Silas to come and stay at their house. So then, later on, as they were going to the place of prayer, there was a girl filled with an evil spirit, and she was like a fortune teller, and she was making her owners lots of money, and she was following them and crying out things about them, you know, and, and Paul really got disgusted with her, and then he turned around and said, come out of her, and in the name of Jesus, and this evil spirit came out in that very hour. But then her owners, who were using her for fortune-telling purposes, saw that their money was all, was all gone. So they, uh, these men, they brought them out and they complained about them to the local governors. And the crowd was attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off them, commanded that they would be beaten with rods, And when they had says they have inflicted many blows upon them, they put them in prison and ordered the jailer to keep them safely. So having this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Now, God called them to this place. God was doing a work. So what happens? Immediately the enemy sends his, you know, his people, his legions, his his workforce out to distract and try to turn away the work that God's trying to do. And he does this through the government in this case, and he beats them. 
So, you know, even though we're called by God to do something and his signs begin to direct and lead our lives and we begin to see things opening and working like they were here, at the same time, we also know that the, we could um, receive some adversity in our lives, some persecution and some trials. And that's exactly what they were getting. Even though the blessing was going forth, they were having troubles with the local government and the people around them. And, you know, and frankly, the enemy. But that night, while Paul and Silas were in the inner prison, so you can imagine a prison in that day, is probably a giant hole in the ground with thick brick walls and brick, you know, stone roofs. It's just very basic dirt floor, rudimentary, horrible place. And in the middle of that, in the inner center of the prison, chains and stocks there to hold their feet so they can't go anywhere, and the guard to make sure that they're secure, that they can't get out anymore. And Paul and Silas, in that time, were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners, it says, were listening to them. And we know, pretty soon we'll know, that the jailer was also listening to them. Very important part is to know that when we're going through hard times and when we're being used by God, our testimony is essential. People are looking at us and paying attention to us. You say you're a Christian, but how do you act now that you have some adversity in your life? Now that you have some difficulty, do you still praise this God that you say you're following? So, you know, he knew they were following him and praising him in the midst of all of this trial, and everybody in the prison was listening to them. People are watching us. People are listening to us. And we need to know that our testimony is really important. And people are paying attention. And then a great earthquake came, and the prison was shaking, shaken. All the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Interesting that the prison didn't collapse and kill everybody, and that the prison didn't leave them, you know, bound in their chains. No, it was kind of a miracle, the earthquake, right? The earthquake shook the place, opened the doors, and let all the chains fall off everybody. The jailer was afraid because he thought, you know, oh no, uh, he was going to kill himself because he figured everybody had escaped and somebody would kill him for not watching over the prisoners. He didn't know. But Paul cried out and said, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights to come in and rushed in and with great fear he fell down before Paul and Cyrus, Silas. And he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? This was the second door that was opened and prepared by the Holy Spirit. So they were called to do something, Paul and Silas, to go to a specific place. They saw fruit. They saw opposition. And then when they were being persecuted, they still praised God because they were doing what God called them to do. And because of that, God opened the heart of the jailer and he said, what must I do to be saved? So they told him about Jesus, and he took them, he washed their wounds, he was baptized, and all of his family, and then he took them to his house, and he fed them, and it said they rejoiced along with the whole household that he had believed in God. Isn't that a marvelous story? A guy who was going to kill himself because he had failed in life, failed at the job he was given to do, instead became a believer, 
and began to rejoice with his whole family over what God had done in their life. And the next day, probably he knew he still had to face the music with his uh, bosses. They said, okay, let them go. So he said, you know, in his heart probably, he said, well, they've sent, they, they're already gone even though they don't know it. So they told Paul, the magistrates have sent to you to let you go. Come out now and go in peace. You know, Paul, he's a different kind of a character. So he said, are you kidding me? They beat us, they condemned us, and we are Roman citizens, and they threw us in prison, and now they want to take us out of the city privately? No, they will, they will apologize to us first. So when they heard that they were Roman citizens, they were really afraid, so they apologized and asked them to leave the city. So they went out, but before they went out, they went by and they visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and they departed. You know, one other interesting note is that God used the circumstance of Paul's citizenship to his benefit here. And he does that later on, too. Because he's a Roman citizen, God uses that in order for Paul to be able to preach and spread the gospel. So, in all of these things, in difficulty, in trial, some things we should remember. Let's wait for the real leading of God. Let's not call it a leading of God when it's just our emotions. And when somebody says, oh, God has called me to do this, it's okay, ask them, how did he call you to do it? Because the Bible's clear that he gives signs and it's not a self-proclamation. Oh, I'm an apostle, I'm a pastor. No, it's something that God does through spiritual gifts, through prophecy, through laying on of hands, through the body, and through signs and wonders. So we need those in our lives. And it's okay to seek signs and wonders and direction in our lives because God wants to lead our lives. And second, be careful of your testimony. Keep a joyful, praiseful attitude in your heart because people are watching you. I'm surprised at how many people who I've known casually in my life or in work may not have known that I was a Christian, but they suspected it. And so they were always looking and watching. And then when I actually had a time to talk to them, they say, oh, I knew you were a Christian. Well, how did you know? Well, because you're different, because I saw something different in you. So they weren't surprised. But imagine before I had had that conversation with them, if I had done something that offended them or was totally against Christ or was really a bad testimony, I would have lost my opportunity to talk to them about Christ. The jailer got saved, and God can save people through our lives, through our behavior, and through our testimony and broadcasting our faith in Jesus Christ, not only in word, but in action. God is our refuge and our strength.